2: Welcome back to the Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. California State University System's new chancellor, Joseph Castro, will take over an organization beset with challenges from the pandemic, including a nearly $300 million budget cut and mostly no in-person instruction for the entire school year. Despite that, Castro has said, I think we're going to be stronger after COVID than we were before. He's currently president of Fresno State. He'll be the first Californian and the first Mexican-American to head up the CSU system in which 43% of the nearly half a million students are Latino. And welcome, Joseph Castro. Good to have you with us.
3: Thank you, Michael. Thanks for inviting me.
2: Uh, I should say, first of all, full disclosure here. As many of you know, I'm a professor in the CSU system, and uh, I want to welcome the chancellor. Uh, The chancellor will not be taking over his duties, however, the chancellor to be until... January uh, and taking over the nation's largest public university system. First Chancellor of Color, as I said, and first uh, from within the CSU system, and the first time the board has a selected a president of one of its own campuses. So there are a lot of firsts that you are establishing here. Also, I want to talk with you initially about your own background because you're the grandson of Mexican immigrants.
3: That's right. Yeah, I, uh, I'm the grandson of Mexican immigrants from Zamora, Michoacan. Uh, my great-grandfather came here about a hundred years ago to the Central Valley to work on the railroad. And he brought uh, his wife, my great-grandmother, and then my grandfather, who was a little guy, uh, about three years old. Uh, so he was a dreamer of his time. and They lived along the railroad in tents and eventually settled in my hometown of Hanford. And that's where they started out. And uh, he built a life there and uh, worked in the fields. And then later, uh, did some other things, uh, delivered uh dulce and, and beer at the end. But uh, I was very fortunate to be raised by two wonderful grandparents and my mother, who was a single mother, and they all cared deeply about higher education. So I wouldn't be here if it wasn't uh, for them.
2: Yeah, your family lived for a while in tents along the railroad, as I understand it. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's right. Um, for the first several years of my uh, grandfather's life, um, And he he recounted that for me, actually, as a student at Berkeley, I did an oral history of his life and learned so much about um, my family's roots. And um, he was the only of five brothers who decided to stay in the valley. The others went near you there in the Bay Area. And if it wasn't for that decision, I probably wouldn't be here right now as the president of Fresno State.
2: Well, let's talk about your background in terms of an education and being the first in your family to have a higher education uh, at UC Berkeley. Uh, 43% of the students within the CSU system are Latino. It's the largest group. And uh, I think in many instances, you've been talking to that group and to first generation students who, uh, in terms of an education uh, from your own experience, that is, you've described it as having been transformational and transformational in ways that you would like to inspire many of these young people who are experiencing college for the first time in their family lineage. How does that connect in terms of your own experiences?
3: Yeah, Michael, I think that's true. I really benefited from leadership in higher education. Uh, Then Chancellor Michael Heyman at UC Berkeley, uh, part of his strategy at Berkeley was to diversify that campus in the eighties and Uh, I was very fortunate to be part of a group here in the Central Valley who uh, were admitted. I was admitted on the spot in downtown Fresno. I had no idea that was going to happen on that day. It transformed my whole life. And um, it's a gift that I continue to pay throughout my career, uh, both my education at UC Berkeley and then also at Stanford. And and I know how it feels to be a first-generation student, try to navigate the complexities of higher education. And I I think that my lived experiences will help me to understand that uh, better, uh, to be more compassionate, and also to remove the barriers with my colleagues, to remove the barriers so that our students will be successful.
2: Well, there's often a description of the CSU system as the people's universities, uh, decision-making based on student perspectives and student experiences specifically. And I'd like to hear what you envision along those lines, particularly as you uh, take over the helm.
3: Yeah, Michael, I believe that the CSU is the most important and consequential public university system in the country. And I don't say that just because it's the largest, it is as you know, but it's because of who we serve, the, the rich diversity of students uh, from all backgrounds many of whom are first in their families to go to college, many are undocumented. And also here at Fresno State, I serve a lot of second and third generation uh, Fresno State students. So I love the diversity of the student body. I think that's the future of America. And we're preparing a new generation of bold leaders who are gonna be able to serve California well and help to elevate the economy and make it stronger and better for generations to come.
2: Well, we've now got three of the public higher education systems headed by people of color, you and Michael Drake at UC Berkeley, uh, who is African-American and uh, chancellor of the community colleges, Elroy Ortiz Oakley, uh, who is of uh, a similar Latino background of your your background, um, but facing a lot of challenges, though. And let's talk about some of those. Uh, I know that you've put a lot of emphasis on graduation, retention and diversity, um, and I'd like to talk about those as well. But let's first talk about revenue, because you're facing a cut of $300 million. And uh, the budget cut has required a lot of layoffs. Uh, uh, it's required uh, furloughs and uh, you're looking for stable funding. And I know you've talked with Governor Newsom about trying to find more funding, though he cut a quarter to uh, the UCs as well as the community colleges and the CSU system. So where is more revenue going to come from?
3: Yeah, you're right. I think we have had to deal with the challenge of this $300 million cut. And we've also had to deal with the challenge of uh, lower revenues because we've had fewer students, faculty, and staff on our campuses. So all of our what we call auxiliary um, organizations, housing, and dining, and event center, and parking, those kinds of things, um, we've had to make adjustments to our staff uh, as well. So it's, it's unprecedented in terms of uh, changes on the state level and also on our non-state revenue. However, in discussions with the governor and lieutenant governor and about 50 legislators with whom I've spoken over the last week, I'm very encouraged about their commitment to the CSU. And I do believe that over time, we will be able to inspire them to invest more in the CSU because they understand that the CSU is part of the solution for California um, through COVID and then especially after COVID, because we lift up students' lives and help them to be uh, successful in whatever field they choose. And as I mentioned before, we serve students from all backgrounds and that's so important for the future of California.
2: You've been very upbeat uh, about uh, the future after COVID. Uh, Why is that? I mean, what do you base that on?
3: Well, I, first of all, I'm very empathetic about the, the struggles that uh, many are um, experiencing right now. Students and faculty, staff, family members, there's death and there's job loss. Um, all of that I completely understand. Um, but I do see some silver linings. I hear from the students and I hear from faculty that I serve here at Fresno State that they're Many of them are beginning to um, learn differently and teach differently, and many of them are enjoying it. And my feeling is that without the stress of the pandemic, once we get out of that, that the innovation that we've experienced is really gonna pay off for the CSU. I don't anticipate that we're going to return to the past. I think we're gonna create a new future a bolder and brighter future for the CSU.
2: We're talking again with Joseph Castro, incoming chancellor of the CSU system who He's been president of Fresno uh, State for well since 2013 and who also has some roots here in the Bay Area. Uh, He was at UCSF for a number of years. If you'd like to join us, if you're a CSU student or faculty member, what are your concerns in these times? And uh, we invite you to join the program by phone. You can give us a call now with any questions you have for the Chancellor Select uh, at 866-733-6786. The number again for your phone calls 866-733-6786 or get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook, we're at KQED Forum, or email any questions to forum at kqed.org. It's kind of a tricky question that I'd like to ask you. Uh, well, a couple of tricky questions, if you will. Uh, you got 23 campuses in 18 counties, and some have more in-person classes, and uh, some have more services than others. Uh, here in, in Northern California, for example, there are some real concerns about enrollment that are not as of great concern in the southern part of the state. And I just wonder, uh, when, when you look at the whole picture, uh, I mean, it's kind of overwhelming. to think it's 482,000 students and 53,000 faculty and staff at 23 campuses, which are also different uh, in different regions of the state. I wonder how you see things in, in kind of a whole perspective, uh, what we would call a gestalt, where you try to keep the parts and the whole together.
3: Yeah, uh, it's a great question, and it's Um, a very interesting challenge. Um, I think we're tied together through our mission and our values, the things that I talked about earlier. We're all committed to serving a diverse student body and helping them to get a quality degree in a timely way. That's a unifying um, sort of um, moment for us right now. And with our graduation initiative 2025, we've set these bold goals uh, that each campus is striving to achieve. And there is variation at the local level. There's variation um, in the economy um, and how the pandemic is, uh, you know, kind of evolving. And so it will require us to be understanding as chancellor, to be understanding of that and to be flexible as appropriate on the tactics, on the strategies, but not around our values. And I have so much confidence in this group of presidents that serve and the vice chancellors, we're a very strong team and we've become stronger during COVID. So I, I think we are up for this challenge. Um, we've been making really good decisions and my hope is that we'll be able to inspire more students to uh, lean into their higher education so that for some of the campuses that are under enrolled, we'll be able to change that because there's no reason why the uh, students of California shouldn't be in the CSU, we, we should have all of them full. <laughs> and that'll be my goal is to inspire students and families to view the CSU as a very positive option to work with Eloy Oakley so the transfer path is strong. And then also with the University of California because they prepare so many talented and diverse uh, doctoral graduates that I hope will want to be part of our faculty in the years to come.
2: And I know you've worked with your predecessor, uh, Tim White, uh, Chancellor Tim White, on increasing graduation numbers. And as I said, I know that's a priority. Uh, also, yes. Let's talk about how you expect to increase those numbers. But also part of that uh, graduation 2025 project, I think, includes trying to eliminate, and that's a big word to use, a strong <laughs> verb to use here, uh, to uh, eliminate the achievement, ga- achievement gaps. And uh, talk about what you envision on that score, if you would.
3: Yeah, you're right, Michael. It's it's trying to lift everybody up together so that there aren't gaps at the end as we rise. And that is quite the challenge. Um, what I can tell you is as one president of one university, you know, we've been all in with different strategies and we've tried things that have worked well. We've tried things that haven't worked as well. We've stopped doing those, we've modified. We're doing that as a system uh, very intentionally uh, with data-driven sorts of ideas um, and decisions. Um, we've been getting a lot of help from foundations and businesses. My hope is to build on that. I, I don't think we can rely only on state funding for these different strategies um, because it will require investment in people, in uh, systems, in different ways in which we would support our students. I can get into more detail around that if you like, but... Um, I think we're going to need to um, increase private philanthropy uh, in order for us to achieve our bold uh, graduation uh, goals in 2025 and to take that equity gaps down to zero.
2: Well, l- let's talk about the gap uh, from another perspective, because I know you've been committed to increasing faculty diversity and you've got uh, some pretty big challenges ahead when you think about uh, Uh, establishing, as I think you're going to have to establish, uh, uh, new ethnic studies law requires it uh, in one year to expand African-American and Asian-American, as well as Latino and Latino-American studies for freshmen who are entering in the fall of 2021. That's across all 23 campuses.
3: That's right. And I had the chance to meet with the um, Black Caucus last week, uh, Assemblywoman Weber, uh, the governor, others, and I assured them that we're going to implement this law. Um, I regret that we're in this position and I also said to them that I hope the lesson is we don't repeat this. I think it's inappropriate uh, for the legislature to do this. Um, It would have been far better for us to work together on a different solution. However, given that the bill has become law, we're going to implement it in the way that it passed and I think that there will be lots of positive effects that come from it. Um, It will help us to uh, support students from all backgrounds so they have a deeper understanding of their own culture as well as the culture of others.
2: Talking with Joseph Castro, he's incoming chancellor of the CSU system, and if you have a question for him or if you have something you'd like to say and join this conversation, we invite you to do that by calling us at our toll-free number, 866-733-6786 is the number for your calls, and you can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org, and here's a tweet from Letty wants to know if there is going to be a push for online school, how will going to be a push we're we're going to have online for at least a year here in the CSU system. But Letty wants to know how will transitioning from distance learning to in-person classes play out? Will students still be able to continue on with online learning?
3: Absolutely. I I think that's part of the silver lining here, Michael, is that as we um, transition from this semester to the next one, we will do so having learned a lot more about how to teach virtually. So I know in my case here at Fresno State, if we can do it safely, we're gonna increase the number of in-person courses, but there will still be substantial uh, a substantial number of virtual courses. My hope is that uh, by summer we'll see more in-person and then in the fall even more but I do think there's an opportunity here for those faculty who say, you know, I'm really enjoying this. I'm effective, maybe more effective than in person. And for students who live in areas that make it hard to get to campus every day, or they have a job or family, uh, and it's better for them. I want us to be in a position, again, to meet the demands of our students and also the interests of our faculty. And and through innovation, I think we're going to create something very special together.
2: And let me bring a caller on here. Dorothea from Berkeley joins us. And Dorothea, welcome. You're
3: on the air.
0: Hi, thank you. Hi, Chancellor. I'd like to ask you, how are you going to keep this curriculum from becoming so politicized as it has become for the uh, high school ethnic studies model curriculum, which left out Jews and other minorities from the, the curriculum and politicized it in a way to promote boycott, divest, and sanction, and also kind of inspiring, I would say, uh, I would say, you know, against, they have a whole section about Irish and Jews and how they became white. And so I'm really concerned about this in the colleges because it's already happening in the other universities that aren't state, and it's, it's become pretty nasty.
2: Yeah, it, so it is uh, very controversial, and we're coming up on a quick break here, but can I get a response from you, Joseph Castro?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I think it's problematic for the legislature to uh, pass uh, bills and, and laws, uh, have the governor sign laws that affect our curriculum. As I said to them directly last week, I want to avoid that by having a dialogue and, you know, and making um, the adjustments that we think are necessary uh, without a legislative action.
2: I wish you good luck on that score. This is a pretty radioactive (laughs) subject. We'll probably come back to it some more. And we'll come back to talking with Joseph Castro and taking your calls and emails. And again, if you're a CSU student or faculty member, what are your concerns? You can give us a call right now with questions for Chancellor Select Castro. 866-733-6786 is the number. That's 866-733-6786. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Our guest is Joseph Castro. He's the incoming chancellor of the California State University System, and we do welcome your involvement in the program. If you'd like to join us, you can do so toll-free at 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email any questions you may have to forum at kqed.org. Let me bring Charlie on here as our next caller. Charlie, good morning.
1: Good morning, uh, and congratulations to the chancellor elect or selected Um i'm uh, the grandson of a former administrator of gsa region three which was all the federal buildings in washington so he had many thousands of employees and he learned a lot and he pulled me aside and told me some things when i was living with him and going to school and he suggested that uh... during the depression they offered each shop uh, and his shop particularly the option of twenty percent layoffs or five days work uh, five days of work for four days of pay, and they did it on the assumption that the downturn was temporary, so they said that they would revisit this practice over succeeding months to see if it had to be continued. So the shop did vote for uh, five days of work for four days of pay. And I thought I would give the chancellor that uh, suggestion because I know he's up against the budget.
2: What do you think of Charlie's suggestion?
3: Joseph Kessler? Yeah, I appreciate the suggestion, Charlie. Um, That has been an option on the table that we looked at together uh, for this fiscal year. And um, kind of the concept is a furlough, uh, at least in our case. And um, the decision was to not pursue that this year. And, that, and that's because each campus has a slightly different financial situation. And we can only at this point do furloughs for every campus. So uh, we decided not to entertain that option this year. But it is one that's on the table for next year and as you said it it provides kind of a glide path you you eventually have to you know reduce the permanent obligation but it does provide a glide path to doing so that could be viewed as being more compassionate empathetic and so we will look at that depending on the circumstances of the budget and let me think yeah
2: yeah thank you for the call charlie I said I was going to ask you a a kind of tougher question uh, earlier and I want to get to this because uh, the California Faculty Association uh, has pointed out that your salary is of concern to them. And I wanted to get your reaction. Uh, We're talking about uh, a salary of six hundred twenty five thousand dollars. But I don't know if the amount is as much of a concern as the fact that it's over 30 percent increase over your predecessor, Timothy White.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I do understand the concern. Uh, I want everybody to know that I'm not in this uh, (laughs) and I'm not in higher education to make money. I'm here because I care deeply uh, about the future of California and the board uh, set the salary as they thought it was appropriate based on uh, salaries around the country and I'm grateful for that and I promise I'm going to work my heart out (laughs) every single day. This is a 24-7 job and Uh, It will be more than ever through the pandemic and and afterwards. So I commit to everybody that I'm going to, as I've been as president of Fresno State, will be working almost day and night to make sure that we're successful.
2: You're going to have to work day and night with the financing alone, but uh, also to make uh, the caliber of education that you're aiming for and aspiring to, but you've got almost a $300 million deficit. So I'm sure you understand the concerns that are raised about that, but the CFA, CFA, excuse me, is also, talked about wanting you to use a one and a half billion dollar reserve fund to actually prevent gaps in learning and layoffs and address. And I'm using their language now address racism and white supremacy in higher education uh, head on. I'm not certain what that means. What does that mean to you?
3: Well, what I hear them say, and I respect their point of view is that we should use our savings account to cover some of our uh, near term obligations. And uh, we are doing that at each of the campuses that have those savings accounts. Uh, there isn't just one account for the whole system. It, it kind of is a roll-up of every uh, um, each of the campuses. And as a campus leader here, um, we're, I'm trying to be very careful because, as you know, just like at home, uh, once you spend that savings account, it's gone if you haven't replenished it. And so we are using part of it. Um, I believe it's uh, prudent to keep some for the future. And so that's really the balance that each president and the chancellor have sought is to, is to use some of it to uh, again, provide a glide path because the cuts are permanent and the, the reserves are one time. So you can't just use reserves to solve the whole problem, but it does provide you some time to find other tools to reduce the permanent obligation. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to go to another caller here. Let me make a correction, though. Apparently, somebody called in to uh, inform us that I said Michael Drake was the president of UC Berkeley instead of the president of the UC system. Sorry about that. I sometimes misspeak, and I'm human. Let me get Tim on. Tim, good morning.
0: Good morning. Um, I'm calling in reference to my daughter, who is currently a freshman at Oregon State University, newly admitted, um, and in light of COVID and the fires and everything else, <clears throat> she made a determination that, She wanted to go to school closer to home. So we attempted to apply to uh, Sonoma State U, and we were told that even though she'd never set foot in the college classroom, um, she had to apply as a transfer student, lower division, which had a whole other set of requirements, one of which was while the requirement for um, college awards was exempted from incoming students, it was required for students who... uh, were considered transferees, even though she never set foot in the classroom. We finally got a variation from that, but then they imposed some other requirements on her as the transferee that aren't applied to incoming freshmen. The result, and after going through a long rigmarole, their net recommendation was, well, she could not go to school next semester and then apply an incoming freshman. So um, it looks to me like there's just a very high bound process. You know, and she clearly qualify to attend. But there's a really high-end process that doesn't reflect the current conditions, number one. And number two, the rules for transferee students are
3: absurd, in my opinion.
2: Tim, I hear the exasperation in your voice, and Joseph Castro response.
3: Please. I do, too, and I, I'm very empathetic. Um, I've had similar conversations here in Fresno about this, and uh, you're right. Under normal circumstances, we only take freshmen and transfer students from the community colleges. We don't usually take students enrolled at another four year university. But what I will say, um, I saw an exemption here at Fresno State to do exactly what you're wanting for your daughter. I don't know if she'd be interested in coming, but we have what's called the Welcome Home Initiative. And it's a way of helping uh, students who want to be closer to home during this time. And I'll be looking at that as a possibility for other campuses once I'm chancellor.
2: Let me thank Tim for the call. And let me ask you, if I may, uh, Joseph Castro, about what the plans are with SATs and ACTs for entrance uh, because they've been suspended. Any long-term plans?
3: That's right. So we won't be using them for this next cycle for uh, fall 2021. what I can tell you, I've been part of the admissions advisory uh, committee for the CSU for the last several years. Uh, we've been in conversations uh, within the CSU uh, and also with the K-12 through system, Superintendent of Public Instruction, and, all, and also the University of California. My own view is that we ought to look at this issue together. And when we make a decision, we ought to consider the impact on the other parts of the, you know, education ecosystem, so to speak. So I can't tell you exactly where we're heading, but I do think that there is an opportunity here to do things differently. And I'm I'm interested in looking at different options besides using the SAT and ACT.
2: And let's bring Javier on from Los Gatos. Javier, join us. Welcome.
3: Good morning. Uh, I graduated from UCSC a couple years ago, and we were in a constant state of cuts and deficits. Uh, adjuncts being paid poorly, and now with now with the pandemic for the schools, there's no change in tuition. Despite not ha- not having access to campus resources, basically getting less for your dollar. Why? Are there no decreases in tuition costs in the CSU system? Joseph, thank Catherine. you, Javier. Yeah, thank you, Javier. I understand the question. Um, what I can say is that there's kind of two sorts of fees: tuition, and there are campus fees. And here at Fresno State, I can speak on behalf of this campus right now. Um, we we removed fees that weren't relevant to students in terms of Parking and of course housing and dining and that sort of thing. However, um, with respect to tuition, uh, it's still the same high quality faculty member who's teaching and Michael is one of them. Um, I would say that because of this pandemic, which we did not anticipate, we're all doing the best we can uh, with our talented faculty and students still have access to them. Um, Our services have gone virtual so they are Um, available to students. Uh, There are a couple of uh, examples like student unions and fitness centers that are not available right now because of the pandemic. But what I would say about that is it's important for us to continue paying for those because we need to have them for when students come back. It's kind of like a mortgage on a house. We can't stop paying the mortgage and we must have funding to do that. So Uh, In general, Javier, uh, we're trying to keep a lid on uh, cost increases, and we're very conscientious about that. Uh, But I think that the fees that we're charging right now are appropriate uh, for our students.
2: Well, this next question ties in. It comes from a tweet from a listener named Alan who says the CSU campuses are experiencing lower enrollment because students can go to community college tuition free. How will the CSU deal with that impact?
3: Well, the CSU enrollments have been very strong in general. There are a few exceptions, as you mentioned, Michael, in the north, um, but they've been very strong in general. Here at my campus, we have a 6% increase in enrollment, the largest in our history uh, during a pandemic, which is, for me, kind of a miracle, and I love that. I love what it says about our students and families. But it is uneven, and um, I think it requires us to be much uh, more strategic, uh, intentional in our partnerships with the community colleges and with the K-12 schools uh, so that California students have that opportunity. I, the talent is there in every household. We just need to unleash it together. And instead of students, uh, you know, not getting into higher education right now, this is the time to lean in and get their higher education
2: again we're talking to joseph castro incoming chancellor of the csu system and i believe you said that you really want to stay focused on uh, daca students what does that mean staying focused on daca students
3: well i i always have had a soft part in my heart here for them because my grandfather was one of his time and i have developed close relationships with all of my students here at fresno state but we have one of the highest populations of daca students in the country over 600 and uh, they're so talented several of my deans medalists some of my presidential medalists have been undocumented students and that's the case throughout america Um, i believe that we need to have a path for them to citizenship and my hope is it will be able to get a dream act as early as next year but in the meantime we need to be aggressive in supporting them they don't get federal uh, financial aid. So we need to fill that gap with other resources, private and state university resources, and help them to succeed because they want to be part of that next generation of uh, leadership that our country needs.
2: And speaking of gaps, um, you're going to remove the Pell Gap for a four-year path to graduation?
3: Absolutely. That's our goal. It's uh, it's it's stubborn. Uh, I can tell you here at Fresno State, it's still you know, around 7%. uh, I've been able to get the gap between underrepresented students below two, but that Pell gap is stubborn, and I'm ready to take it on with my uh, colleagues around the system in a more aggressive way.
2: And here is Sylvia. Sylvia, join us. You're on the air.
0: Thank you for taking my call. Um, As a representative from Fresno State, I'm sure you understand the gap for um, lowering the achievement gap. I was appalled that CSU changed the GPA entrance requirement for fall 2021 from a 2.0 in the eligibility to 2.5. Can you address that, please?
3: Yes. Um, The reason is that we are no longer using any other um, uh, criteria like a test score. In the past, we were using a an index that was uh, both the test score on the ACT or SAT and the GPA. Uh, so this, this made up for that. But what I can tell you is that campuses like mine here at Fresno are very likely to take students below the 2.5 if there's space. And um, I anticipate during the pandemic that there will be space at uh, some of the campuses for students who are in that range. And with respect to community colleges, I think that will stay at the 2.0 because we've not used any tests for community college transfer students. I should say that that's in general because there are some exceptions for programs that are impacted where they have you know, many applicants and therefore the GPA threshold is a little higher. But I want you to know that I'm very compassionate about this and we're all about access and success in the CSU and we're gonna be as inclusive as we can be as as we have been and will continue to be.
2: And let me thank Sylvia for her call and go to a comment from Mary, an email. Mary says, the CSU has an incredible opportunity to support equity and social justice by creating pathways for our undergraduates to enter graduate studies. What is the CSU's commitment to graduate education and how will graduate studies be affected by these severe budget cuts?
3: Oh, she's correct. Uh, It's very important for those of our students who wish to um, enroll in graduate programs that we prepare them to do so. And I remember as a first-generation college student, you know, focused on my bachelor's degree, and then, you know, as I got into it, I said, "Oh, I want to do this master's in public policy," and uh, that opened up uh, so many avenues for me. So I I think as as a CSU system, we need to encourage our students to to look at graduate opportunities, and in addition to going right out to get a job or to work for a while and then come back, we must uh, preserve and strengthen our graduate programs across the CSU.
2: I should mention again that uh, our guest, Joseph Castro, was formerly vice chancellor at UCSF, also was at UCSB, at UC Berkeley, UC Davis, and UC Merced, as well as being the president of, uh, excuse me, uh, at uh, as well as being president of uh, CSU at Fresno, it uh, was at CSU Merced and uh, these other campuses that I mentioned. Uh, it's a yeah, strong background.
3: UC Merced.
2: UC Merced, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a background that gives you some real advantages and I just want to wish you the best of luck. And again, congratulations on moving into the uh, rather heavy duty and certainly challenging role of chancellor of the CSU system, the biggest C- biggest college system really in the whole United States. Thank you so much for joining us this hour.
3: Thank you, Michael, and I'm glad you're on the faculty. I wish you the best.
2: And I wish you the best. And again, I thank all of our listeners for being with us Uh, and uh, remind you that another hour of Forum is up ahead. Mina Kim will be leading the discussion there, and you can always let us know what you think about what you hear on Forum or would like to hear on Forum by emailing us, forum at kqed.org. I'll be back with you on the morrow, uh, if all goes according to plan. I'll be talking with Tony Schwartz, who is a journalist who is actually the ghostwriter of the art of the deal, something that he started out, uh, which now has wound up in the Oval Office. That's a whole story that I think you will want to hear. Thank you for being a part of this morning's program and for all of us here at KQED Public Radio. Take care and stay safe.